Good morning, I'm Donna Quinn, and for the next half hour, you'll be listening to Talk of Our Town. Today, I am delighted to have Rachel Jensen as my guest. She is the Executive Director of the Lower Columbia Preservation Society, an organization doing important, powerful work to preserve the history, the sites, the culture of communities bordering the Columbia River in Clatsop, Pacific, and Waukiacum counties. She is a fourth generation historian. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Before we talk about the Lower Columbia Preservation Society, let's have a listening audience learn a little bit about you, please. Sure. So um, I was born and raised here in Astoria. I went to Astoria High School um, and uh, fourth generation. So my great grandparents were here as well as my grandparents met here at high school. Um, and my parents lived here and had a, a business anchor graphics in town. Um, I wanted to get out of Astoria as soon as I graduated from high school um, and I wanted to see the world. Uh, and so I actually went to college on the East Coast um, in Vermont. Um, so uh, the college I went to there was on an old farm. Um, so that was kind of my first experience kind of uh, with an adaptive reuse of a um, historic um, building. We had barns. We had, we went to class in, in barns and um, it was, it was just, it was a small village. It was a small town. I felt at home because it wasn't like I moved to the big city, but I did get exposure to the city. Um, and then I was bi-coastal for many years and then came back to Astoria um, about 15 years ago. What made you decide to return to Astoria 15 years ago? Um, well, I returned to Astoria. Um, I was going through a divorce um, and we had gotten married in Oregon. So I actually came back to Oregon um, just to facilitate that process and was staying with my family, with my parents. Um, and while I was here, um, I realized that kind of what I'd been studying, which was um, art preservation, like art conservation, really scientific, um, you know, really detailed painting restoration, things like that on the East Coast. But I wanted to be here. I wanted to relocate back to my hometown. And although there wasn't a lot of fine art conservation here, there was all this architecture. And so that really changed my direction um, in terms of studying. And I, I got more involved in studying the history of architecture and local architecture and um, the preservation of materials. Well, Astoria has been described as, uh, as a living museum, that there's history on every corner and right. The buildings tell stories. How long have you been the executive director of the Lower Columbia Preservation Society? Um, I became the first executive director here five years ago in 2018. Um, prior to that, I had been on the board of directors for a couple of years. So you're the first. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm the first right. staff member of the Lower Columbia Preservation Society. Well, let's learn a little bit about, for folks who may not know it, what is the Lower Columbia Preservation Society? So we're a nonprofit um, that, you know, our mission is to um, preserve the history and culture of, of the community. Uh, the organization was founded in 1998-1999 uh, by a group of mostly uh, historic homeowners in the area. There was a big effort with um, the city and HLC, which is the Historic Landmarks Commission, um, to kind of get a voice of the residents and what what their take on preservation was to have them have a chance to um, facilitate communication between amongst each other to share ideas to share um, experiences with preservation projects that they were doing 
So it was really a grassroots effort of um, local residents, mostly historic homeowners, who really wanted to share their love of, you know, preserving these older homes. And as and part of that is connecting all these people. You have, mm -hmm. you know, programs and all of that. And and under the value section on your website, it talks about you value preservation, restoration, and adaptive reuse. How do you do that? And what what is that for those folks who may not know what that is? Um, so uh, can we kind of talk about several different ways that you can address the use of old buildings? So you can preserve them as they are. Um, you can revert them, restore them back to how they were. But you can also um, take buildings, uh, probably a familiar thing you would people know about in Astoria would be the Fort George building, um, where you take a building that had a, a different use, that used to be an, an auto um, shop building, and you adaptively reuse it. So you find a new use for it, and um, you're not freezing it in time. You're not saying it has to remain what it was built to be, but you're saying you can um, utilize the structure that's there, celebrate its history, and use it for a new use. And, and that's happening more and more. I mean, you know, it's, I know that um, in Europe and other places, they think we're crazy because we don't sometimes preserve these old buildings. And, 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 uh, and we say, oh, no, it's too much work. But yet they tell stories and, and the materials that, they, that, that were used to make them are, I mean, we have to look at the big picture and, and, and it's not all about the new, but we also have housing issues. I mean, so it's it's complex, I'm sure, for you. It's very complex. And and uh, historic preservation isn't, it's something that's developing in terms of the theories and the ideas behind it continue to grow and change um, as new things develop. So it's not a stagnant um, discipline. And so it's fun to have discussions about what it means, like how, how, um, specific do we want to be with, you know, some people draw the line in the sand at different places in terms of if things should be always made out of wood or if they should be, you know, utilizing new materials. Um, one of our, you know, one of the strongest arguments for reusing older materials is that most of the time they were made to be repairable. So like when you look at old historic wood windows, they are essentially infinitely repairable. Um, whereas the new, the new ones, they might have um, warranties, like 20-year warranties and everything else. But what happens is that every 20 years, then you're throwing windows into the landfill. So it's just kind of appreciating what we have and at least knowing how they function and how they work and how they are repairable. Um, that helps us avoid, you know, inadvertently losing our history. So what are some of the programs? And I know you have committees, you're, you're a nonprofit, people obviously join and they become members and mm -hmm. you have monthly uh, gatherings. So tell me a little bit about how you do, how you fulfill your mission. Sure. So um, the mainstay of our mission is education. So we want people to be, have as much information as they can about preservation and the local history and the architectural uh, heritage of the area. And so we have an office downtown that's right, um, it's right on 12th and Duane, uh, at the lower level of the Hotel Elliott. And so we have an office there that we love people to stop by. We will help them with uh, researching the history of their homes. We have a lending libra library full of um, architectural books that we can help them with their contemplating making changes to their homes or they just want more information. 
Um, we also have educational programming. We have monthly topics and preservation discussions that we facilitate for our membership here every third Wednesday in the evenings. And those are topics that we just sit and talk um, about how we feel about let's like things like new materials or compatibility or um, the next one coming up in April is about preservation easements. So we have those kinds of educational opportunities. We also do uh, community projects like the Fort Astoria sign. We were involved with um, replacing the Fort Astoria sign over on 15th and Exchange Street last year. We uh, have adopted the Customs House uh, reconstruction that's over by Safeway. So we maintain that and make sure that it's maintained um, and the landscaping over there. Um, we do walking tours and other things like that downtown and, and publish walking tour brochures and things for people to pick up at our office and, and learn more about uh, the architectural heritage here. So, and actually, right now, you are redoing your walking tour booklet. It's going to be full color, and, and there's a call to artists. There is. We're asking artists um, who are inspired by the, the historic homes here. Essentially, we're focusing on Franklin and Grand right here downtown. Um, but yeah, we're going to be creating a full color uh, walking tour booklet that will have, um, it's going to have over 60 homes in there, homes and apartment buildings. And we're asking artists and they can go to our website to get more information. Um, but we're asking them to uh, submit uh, artwork that kind of captures the character of these homes. And you said that because of the pandemic, there are more people moving to this mm -hmm. area. And and while we're focusing on a story at the moment, really, you also uh, preserve the history, sites, and culture of, you know, Clatsop Pacific and Waukiacum counties. But of course, we think about Astoria because Astoria, you know, is kind of a, a gem surrounded on three sides by water. So it hasn't had a lot of the development that might have happened in another area. Um, so people who are now there are more people moving here and they want to understand about mm -hmm. the history of their mm -hmm. homes or they want to know how to do something in in a you know uh an ethically or you know architecturally correct way right yes we've yes. seen a lot of people um moving here in the past few years um reaching out to us and they want to know the history of their house they don't necessarily have the same long-term uh kind of memory or you know, community uh, feeling about what what Astoria is or these other small communities. So they're really asking a lot of questions. Um, and that's one of our favorite things because we love to research things for people. So when people walk into our office and they say, you know, I purchased a home, this is the address, what can you tell me about it? And we can generally find quite a bit of cool information or we can help them understand the development of their neighborhood or their town. Um, and it just gives people context to when they're, uh, you know, looking at uh, how to appreciate their new community. And also you support the uh, historical preservation um, classes at Classic Community College. Yes, we do. So we um, we gave the uh, historical preservation uh, program some funds to start their workshop up there at the college campus. So they have a nice um, workshop right there on campus to do some work. We also do um, support some of the scholarships for the historic preservation program. I wonder, do you think people are more interested now that the world is changing so rapidly on so many fronts that they want to, that they realize how important it is to preserve um, the past 
the stories that are actually in these edifices, you know, and and you actually even talk about, you know, streetscapes. Um, you um, it, it talks about how you want to preserve the historical integrity of the built environment um, by encouraging inventory of historic properties, designation of landmarks. Um, and uh, development codes that protect historic resources. Is there more interest in this now than there ever was before? I think that I think it's a changing, uh, there's changing aspects to it. I think there's a new generation of people interested in this. Um, I think we're seeing in Astoria, for people who were in this area um, through the 80s and 90s, we've seen economic cycles happen. And so we're seeing some homes being restored for a second time. They were maybe restored in the 80s or the 90s. Um, and then since have kind of um, deteriorated in some ways. And now we're seeing people, new people coming in and restoring them. So it's sort of a cyclical process in a lot of ways, which um, is good and bad. I mean, it's nice to have new people with new perspectives and new um, financial resources bringing coming in, but it's also unfortunate that there seems to have to always be kind of this dip in between where we kind of forget how important that history is. And then we come back up and, and say, oh yes, we let's not lose these things. Um, you know, Astoria doesn't look, this isn't a beautiful historic town by accident. There was a lot of people um, who worked over the years to, to make sure that it stayed this way or became this way again after periods of economic decline. So this is all very purposeful and there was a lot of people who put a lot of effort into it. And it continues. Um, mm -hmm. I think one of the things you said is that you think that the general public may not be aware of all the resources that you provide. And, and of course, members also. And, um, and you talked about how at these monthly um, the monthly topics, the the offerings that you have at the office uh, really helps people um, share their wisdom about what works and what doesn't work when you're working on a restoration project. Absolutely. And it provides a way for people to, uh, especially new people to town who maybe they've purchased a house in the last couple of years and hadn't been out and about. Um, either coming in and they're meeting other people who are also interested in, you know, older homes and preservation. Um, and so it's kind of a fun social gathering as well as a way for us to exchange, you know, really useful information about preservation projects. Yeah, well, sharing resources is so vital now to, to in every way. If you've just tuned in, you're listening to Talk of Our Towns. I'm your host, Donna Quinn. Today, my guest is Rachel Jensen. She's the executive director of the Lower Columbia Preservation Society, whose mission is to preserve the history, sites, and culture of communities bordering the Columbia River in Clatsa Pacific and Wakaikum County. And Rachel, you have committees, so members can actually get involved and be on a committee. Could, could, could you tell us a little bit about the committees? Absolutely. Um, for, for those people who maybe aren't ready to join the board of directors, um, uh, they can join a committee, a project committee. We have, uh, for instance, for our uh, current booklet that we're doing with the uh, that we're doing the call to artists for we have a committee that's putting together that publication so there's publications committee there is um we're going to have a preservation easement committee because we're going to be pursuing uh, preservation easements in the near future um and uh kind of a lot of them are ad hoc because they're project-based so sometimes we have volunteers who come in with an idea of their own um, and they want to do something and we always support our volunteers kind of creating new projects and, and starting up um, new things. Because one of the things we really want to do is be uh, responsive 
to our membership. And so when members have ideas and they want support or they want to know about a topic, we'd love to know that so that we can provide them with those resources or opportunities. Well, we talked a little bit about the housing crisis, which of course is happening, it seems almost everywhere it feels like, um, and and how Estuary's had housing crises before and and that this is not the first time. And so people are thinking of different ways to address this. And but there's also a challenge with the elimination of small houses. You want to talk a little bit about that, please? Sure. So um, when we talk about the economics of historic preservation, there um, is pretty well-founded and funded um, research that shows that, you know, the smaller homes in communities, uh, if we lose those smaller homes, that we're really losing affordable housing that um, there's a lot of pressure in communities to tear down, say like a two bedroom, one bathroom house and replace it with uh, like townhomes or something with a higher density. And while that kind of can help solve some of the density issues, um, when, you, when you tear down an older home, that's something that's inherently more affordable because it's small in a community. When you tear that down and build something new, what's built in its place will never be affordable. Um, it's just the economics of the way that the construction, you know, happens. And so um, kind of maintaining uh, a respect for and a desire for, to maintain those smaller homes in those neighborhoods um, is really probably one of the best things we can do for uh, as, as one of the many things we need to do to to, um, to address the housing issue. Mm, well said. Yes. Um, and I, I know a lot of what you do is educational because um, you know, you want to educate the public on the benefits of historic property designation. And then you also want the public to know that there are still large areas of history that haven't been inventory, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we think a lot about the historic architecture of Astoria being Victorians and craftsmen, and particularly on the north side of the, of, of the hill. But we have many really interesting and distinct neighborhoods that really their stories have not really been told in terms of the development because they weren't considered historic um, maybe 20, 30 years ago. But now we're looking at um, kind of telling those stories and understanding that that development because it's it's fun. It's fun to have a neighborhood identity and to um, to take some pride in in the architecture of you know the street that you live on. Um, there's some great little pockets of Astoria that are just adorable and very intact, you know, communities. And, and we'd love to help people, you know, just because you don't think you live in a historic home or in an historic landmark doesn't mean that um, we don't want to help you research the history and find out more about the architecture of your house. So, you know, we love studying uh, the, the different neighborhoods. And if anyone is a specific interest in a neighborhood, we'd love you to come in and help us um, like spearhead one of those research projects. Are there um, challenges to your work right now that weren't there before? And what is it that you love the most about what you do? Um, hmm, challenges. Um, I think the challenges are that it's a, that historic preservation is very complex in terms of that there are ethical considerations. There's considerations about the environment. There's considerations about economics and um, cultural development. So. Uh, it's just so multifaceted uh, that it's it's challenging sometimes to explain it myself <laughs> to people or to understand um, that we're really not set in, in in some sort of dogma. Like we really are interested in how what what does the community find important to preserve and how can we do that. 
Um, it's, it's not necessarily, uh, you know, that we, uh, don't want things to change or that things are frozen in time. It's more about how to, how, how do we, how do we respond and respect what we do have, um, and still move forward. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I think one of the things that also works in Estuary, things that shouldn't go together kind of do sometimes. I mean, there's something old and something new and something, you know, and it's just kind of, uh, there's a synergy that happens, even if you don't expect it. And I, and I think we have to also think about, you're right, the streetscapes, mm -hmm. uh, um, because it's, it's a feeling of a neighborhood. It's a vibe. It's not just one, one edifice, you know? Um, and what is it that you love the most about your work? Um, I love the most uh, mysteries, honestly. You know, we'll have someone come in and they'll say, I've never seen a picture of my house. You know, it's, I, I know it's older or whatever. And I love searching out, you know, finding a picture, a tiny picture of a house in the background of a photograph for them and, and them being excited about it and saying, I never, I always thought that porch looked that way and I didn't have any evidence. And it's, um, I just, I love going, you know, down the rabbit hole of little mysteries for people. <laughs> yes, that's great. And that's what you do. You offer research. Um, and, and the other thing you do is you encourage property owners, maybe who have recently purchased properties that maybe the previous owner had not been part of the historic, de you know, uh, designation mm -hmm. as a historic building, but how to kind of get back to that historic. Uh, yeah. So when the neighborhoods were inventoried, um, you know, there was different, over time, those things changed too. So in terms of, you know, at certain periods, if your house had vinyl siding or uh, replaced windows, maybe they didn't designate it as historic. Well, people are moving here and they're, you know, taking the asbestos siding or the, the vinyl siding off their homes. And now it is considered, you know, it could be considered historic. So if people are interested and they like live in a historic district and they, they wonder why they don't have a plaque, but their neighbor does come talk to us. Cause we would love to help you, um, you know, nominate your home to become a landmark if you'd like that. And do you have many people who come and they say, well, you know, I'm tearing down this house that was there or because it can't be saved or, uh, although that's all debatable about what can and can't be saved. I imagine, yeah. but, um, what uh, I'm going to construct a, a new building, but I want it to kind of fit with the, you know, the sense of place, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, so do you offer help to those people? Absolutely. If people want to come in with their ideas, be it, you know, they want to change their front porch, they want to build some new construction, like we're happy to have conversations where we can point out, um, give them some ideas about, you know, the context of that neighborhood, what would have been appropriate in that development time period, um, what might be compatible or not. Um, a lot of that's a free flow of ideas because it's really about, you know, not feeling pinned in in what you can do. It's more about talking about what are these opportunities. Um, and there's always going to be subjective differences of opinion in terms of whether or not something like modern should be put in a historic neighborhood or not. Um, and there are there's definitely two sides <laughs> to that argument. Some people believe that uh, kind of the simplicity and of, of modern design helps highlight what is historic, so you don't lose sight of what is and is not historic. Sometimes if people uh, build like a new home and it almost looks too close to a historic home, but not one that actually would have been there. It's almost giving a false sense of history. Mm, interesting way to think about that. Yes, you're right. It's 
not fixed. We have to be adaptable. And, and that's why adaptive reuse is a really great idea. And, and many mm -hmm. of those, uh, many buildings have, have, you know, are, are used that way now, you know, and, um, and then what about the idea that, um, you know, streetscapes affect with like trees and, and all of the, I mean, you know, and things that are, um, have been there for a long time, add to that sense of ground and rootedness that we need. Um, well, absolutely. I think that we can all appreciate some of the glorious plants and trees, especially here in Astoria, that we just take for granted, sort of, in terms of there's that giant near the Camuan uh, station, there's the huge hydrangea, is that what it, that is, or the... Um, that's just ginormous. And we're just so used to seeing this giant flowering bush every year. Um, and those things have been here for a really long time. Um, and some of those are protected in certain ways um, through the city's code, but in general, um, you know, I think it's more about voluntarily people understanding why those things are, matter. Oh, well, the giant rhododendron you mean, that's yes, right rhododendron. across from Fort Astoria? It's yes, just that one. Is, oh, that is incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, we only have a few minutes left, and so Rachel, any last things you'd like the listening audience to know? Obviously, being a member, which is yeah. incredibly reasonable, supports your mission. But what else would you like us to know? I would love people to stop into our office. We have open office hours, ten to two, Monday through Friday. So just stop in with your questions, bring a photograph, you know, tell us your address, and we'll be happy to like see what we can pull up for you. Um, volunteer, like I said, if you have a special interest, if like a research interest, we'll be happy to like help you spearhead some sort of project with that. Visit our website because it's uh, pretty well built out, so you can see all of our resources. And there's um, some things you can do online, including a research. Uh, a guide that tells you how to research your house yourself. But if you get stuck, always come in. We're happy to help. Um, and uh, if you're an artist and you're interested in putting uh, artwork in our new walking tour booklet, please also go to the website and check out our call to artists right now. Right. And if you're interested in being on the board of directors, um, mm -hmm. most nonprofits um, are usually um, open to the idea of uh, of having people join the board of directors uh, because there are certain terms people don't stay on forever and that would be a great way to do it or like some of the committees you talked about and a shout out to classic county historical society you work very closely with them which is great i mean what a, i mean to have i think we're very fortunate i don't know how many other organizations are there like this mm -hmm. kind of in oregon or in the u.s yeah, we're in a very unique uh, situation to to have the resources that we do and have be able to help everyone out and kind of put together community projects. And we're always happy to join with other partners in Heritage. Thank you, Rachel, for spending the time to come here. I mean, and I just think it's so perfect that you're fourth generation Astorian and here you are working with Lower Columbia Preservation Society. So thank you a million. And, um, and the website is... Why don't you tell people what the website is? Sure. Visit our website. It's lcpsociety.org. So it's lcpsociety.org. Oh, good. Thank you so much. It's so great to know that you all have, um, you, you are, you have certain standards, you have history, you have knowledge, and yet there's flexibility. There's how, what's happening here? What is changing? How do we work this all out together? So again, Kudos to you and to Lower Columbia Preservation Society. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Donna.
And my gratitude, Nevada, thank you so much for, for the engineering on this program today and also um, so grateful to local talented banjo instructor Michael Brown for his original theme music for this program, which now airs the first Thursday of each month at 9 a.m. Uh, thank you all so much also for celebrating KMUN of the 40th uh, anniversary birthday party coming up this month, is this month. And um, I know you grew up with KMUN, Rachel, having been born here. And uh, so it matters. All of you matter in creating this amazing community. Until we meet again, let's just take a moment right now and take a very deep breath. It's so good for us to do this. And now with gratitude, focus on the things that are working well in your life. There will always be things that aren't. But when we're grateful, then we can provide our, our goodness, our positive energy into the world, which very much needs it these days. And then give yourself a loving and compassionate hug or a pat on the back for being uniquely you, the only one, for doing the best you can. Everyone is until they know better. And for being here now in this moment, the only moment that exists, the now moment on the amazing planet we call Earth.